We want to welcome all of our listeners to another episode of Minority Report Podcast with Eric and Carell. Each episode, we talk with leaders in business, tech, and media. And today joining us is Sean Green, who's the founder and CEO at Arternal. Let's jump in and get to know Sean Green. Sean, welcome. Thanks for having me. Oh, man, we're pumped. We're excited. Thanks for carving out some time to hang with us. Yeah, definitely. I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to the chat. Sean, can you tell us a little bit about Arternal? Sure, sure. So, you know, obviously, as the name <laughs> proceeds, so uh, we're in the art world. We're a fully vertical business automation software for our professionals. So, you know, if you're transacting in the art world, our product is for you. Client relationship management is where we started. And then we filled out the product with inventory management, sales workflow, data and analytics, and financials, you know, so that we can help our professionals do the job much easier, more efficient, don't have to rely so much on memory and, and pen and paper and Excel spreadsheets. So we tie it together all in one simple streamlined solution so that they can get the job done. That sounds really cool. And I want to ask you a little bit more about that, actually, because sure. I love trying to sort of piece together the art world and computer science coming together. <laughs> and maybe you can tell us a little bit about how that happened and what inspired you to do that, because you really spent a lot of time in tech and developing a computer science background and then now yep. tying that together with uh, sort of the art world. Tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate appreciate the cue. One of my friends back in 2012 was like, she's quitting her job. And I was just like, yeah, people do that, whatever. And then she followed up with, and I'm becoming an artist full time. I was like, it's like, whoa, pause. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> you're becoming a what? All I know about is the starving artist. That like, What does this even mean? And she's just like, yeah, she's like, I'm tired of corporate. And she was, you know, Bay Street gig and similar to what Wall Street is in New York. Mm. And I was just like, well, you know, I want to be able to figure out how I can help you. And she's like, well, you should start by coming to the studio. And I was just like, sure. And and when she said studio, I was like, she is really serious. <laughs> and I get there the following week and I'm looking around and I'm like, how are you going to sell these things on this wall? It's like a shoebox. And I was just like, how are you going to sell this work? Like, who's going to buy it? How are you going to meet collectors? And at this time, the only thing that there was was like Twitter and Facebook, like Instagram had it popped off, right? Mm. Like, mm. so, you know, today Instagram is like the de facto, you know, art world visualization, creative, you know, app. And so I went back to my crib. I hit up, you know, I was, I was actually in between tech startups at this particular point. So that gave me the freedom to have these conversations. Mm. And I met with a contractor who was from my days at Net Reynolds, which was my other tech startup. And we were shooting video, you know, before and after joints for, you know, the general contractors and stuff that we serve. And so I was shooting a before, you know, and after video for him as I was figuring out what my next steps would be. And I, and I told him, he's like, you know, so about that idea that you had after meeting with one of your artist friends, I, I know you're considering that and going back and getting a job job, Right. And he's like, well, let me tell you a story. And this might help convince you know, the direction of where you want to go. And he's like, I have a connection to the art world. I was like, what's that? He's like, my dad. He's like, my dad was an artist, succumbed to you know, drug overdose. But you know, that like for me, that was powerful. Like the artist was powerful. And like the way, how, like what happened to my father was like a powerful experience in my life. 
He goes, you're also too big for getting a job. Job. Like, he's like, that world is too small for you. It's like, I would continue your passion, figure out what it is that you want to do on your entrepreneurial you know, journey. And here's 12K to start. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was like, you know, really reinforce that people actually give you money to start companies. Like really just like, hey, here's this. Because my family doesn't come from money, right? So like for me, I was just like, oh, great. And then you realize all the other stuff, legal and all that stuff you got to do later. But you, but having that money to be able to do what you need to do is what turned into our eternal today. But it was empathy for my friend combined with somebody who I was doing a contract gig for who was part of my other startup. That culminated in being that, you know, initial kernel that started our tunnel's journey. That's pretty cool. Sean, I want to ask you more about that in a little bit, but I want to talk about your family. Tell us about your background. Where were you born and raised? And tell yeah. us a little bit about your, your family. <laughs> Yad Van Tins. Jamaica. Jamaica. Yeah, I was born in, in the island of Jamaica. You know, some of my conversations, I'm like, nah, not Queens. And, you know, my mom, she was the first entrepreneur I ever knew. But before she was that, you know, she, you know, she brought us to Toronto. My dad was there. My sister was born after. And for her, you know, it's all about education and hard work and dedication. And she ended up starting a, a maid service in Toronto. And like, that's what I knew as work. So for me, going into the homes of these professionals, doctors, lawyers, dentists, judges, et cetera, I was like, and then looking at these folks, like, oh, they vacation like that. You know, <laughs> and like, oh, they, they drive whips like this. I was like, you know, it's just very aspirational. And I got to see like the different artwork on their walls and things like that. So it's funny, like how this all kind of came together in my mm. life and experiences later. But, you know, my mom showed me hard work. She showed me relationships and the power of relationships, right? Literally education, but a lot of might, a lot of mm. hustle, a lot of determination. People are like, to me, you know, Sean, how, like, how do you just get up and go? I'm like, because, you know, that's what, that's, that's what I saw. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't need any inspiration other than, you know, I'm on my mom's retirement plan or I'm like, you know, version two, you know what I mean? So that for me was very pivotal in terms of like my formative, you know, years of like, you know, what it is to go after it and, you know, not have a boss, but be your own boss and figure out my own journey and my own path, mm-hmm. you know, to getting to where we are. And I always think my family and support, I just came up with this thing was like the two S's. In order to get success, you need support, right? Mm-hmm. And I believe you can't have the successes that are necessary unless you have the support system. Mm-hmm. You know, and it comes from the people who who are around you. Like when you look and you see a dude on the screen, like, why does this guy just get up and get a job? Or this lady just get up and get a job. It's like, what? Their first ambition is like breakfast. And after that, mm-hmm. it's like lunch. And after that, it's like dinner. And after that, it's like safe space to rest my head. Like mm-hmm. they are so far. And that's because the last hairline, you know, of thickness of support is gone. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm. That that's why that person who was gonna pick up that last phone call, that last one, and you and they burnt that might have been for whatever particular reason, but they're like, forget that. You know, Sean, let him go do his thing. Right. Like that's how that happens. And so I tie success and support very tightly together. Two S's. Two S's. Yeah. Love it. Two S's. Love that. What was it like growing up in Toronto? 
you know, with the yeah. Jamaican yeah. family. <laughs> what was that like? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a cultural melting pot. I tell people Toronto is an amazing city. Yes, there is the winter there. <laughs> you were like, oh, you live in LA now. You soft. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it's true though. It like this sun and this palm trees will weaken your membranes <laughs> very quickly. But yeah, Toronto's great. I mean, the city, the cultural like melting pots. I think you can get the best food from wherever you come from. Like in Toronto, you'll find mm. it. like authentic. Like New York has great food, amazing. You know, I've lived there, great food. But Toronto is there's something there, and the cultural richness of the different you know people from different places and areas on the, on the planet that just come there and just bring their richness and culture. Mm-hmm. So I was super steep, and it helps in the art world, right? Where like people are from you know all different types of backgrounds, you know, creating all different types of cultural energy. And being able to communicate and engage and, and have a certain touch point because of a friend, you know, a friend of a friend, a relative, cousin, uncle, like that, like Toronto allows you to just have that. Aside from the NBA championships and the top <laughs> <laughs> over, you know, <laughs> you got Raptors, you got Drake, you got Bieber, you, got, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's great. There's a lot of stuff in the water. <laughs> and you got Sean Green. Hey. There, you <laughs> there it is. Sean, you you mentioned earlier the drive to be your own boss, right? What is it about being a founder and a CEO that you love so much? Yeah, like it's that being able to solve different problems. And I have an insatiable curiosity, right? And and digging in and like every day is different. You're not like on an assembly line. And I know what that is. My dad was a foreman, right? And like a plastic blow molding plant. I know what that is. When you go in there, you smell the fumes. You like, you know, you're you're in there, you know, you see parts being done. I'm like, wow, this is super monotonous. And like same, you know, same thing. I think about me and where I am and like my my dad and his like very, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. steady like life. And in terms of his job, and I was just like, wow, it's like worlds apart. Yeah. Worlds apart. Right. And that's what I love about my day. Yes, the crazy, like you'll be on a high of a high at like 1037. And like at 428, you're like, this thing is burning down. (laughs) 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 Right? Like, what do you do here to fix this? And so, you know, that's a part of like the fun. Even, you know, I know like in in some of the lows, we're like, is this going to really work? Like, are we really going to get there? And, And I think about people who are like, it's about the process of getting mm-hmm. there. And what I'm really trying to enjoy is, is enjoy the process. I know that there are ups and downs, but you know that sign curve <laughs> balances itself out. And as long as we continue on the up to the right trajectory, then I know we're doing great things. So I, I love that about being a boss and being an entrepreneur and working with the dopest squad. Like that yeah. for me and being a part of building that squad, <laughs> it's, it's everything because the thing that I love the most about humanity is just, just like people and getting to enjoy and love people and things like that. Mm-hmm. And being able to, to work with people who you, you love and adore and, and like share the same goals that you wrote on a napkin like years ago. And now they're helping to manifest. I yep. mean, what other joy can you get better than that? I hear that. I hear that. Technology plus art. I don't know too many Black men sitting at that intersection, right? <laughs> and I'm glad that we are having this conversation Give us a sense. What is it like to be, I, I would imagine, 
one of the few, if not the only in the space that you're in right now? Yeah, it's very interesting. And yeah, I'm the only founder, CEO, you know, Black individual in the space. And I remember my co-founder would say to me, I can leave you in a room and I just come back and I I can point you out like a sore thumb. Boom, there you are. Mm -hmm. And it's changed a bit over the course of the last decade. Still a long ways, a long ways to go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But this industry trades on trust and information, right? And trust is the most part. So I have to figure out a way how to, how to gain the trust in these spaces. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you're code switching just to figure out, like, you know, how you can chameleon your way into getting people to embrace and adopt you. And at times, you know, I had this one dealer be like, hey, you're, uh, I'm, I'm paying attention to you, right? This is even before we pivot. Like, yeah, we're two pivots and three name changes into our turtle, right? And he's like, how did you get here? Um, um, you, you mean the six train? Like, what? Like, what are you going <laughs> to ask me? And he was like, you know, I'm like, what you're saying is interesting. And, and I was just like, this is like a, backhanded compliment like i can mm. listen to a black man and actually focus and, and pay attention mm. interesting and like mm. where i'm intrigued and i want to dive in further and for me like i was just like well we need the whole day for and and we probably need the whole year for you to actually understand that because you know i'd have to take you back to um, my mom that raised me and, and you know the rooms that I was in, the private school that she scraped her paintings to go through, where I was the only Black kid in my grade, almost my school, right? So, you know, I understand how to wade through different rooms, and that prepared me for the space that I'm in today, Mm. you know? When I am, you know, walking through, you know, Beverly Hills, and I get pulled over on foot, and I have to deal, this is like, I mean, I can say, well, this is in the height when they were shooting black guys three years ago, right? But they're still shooting us today, like, mm-hmm. like, like that. And when you're being told to like spread your legs, put your hand behind your head, and you never put your hand behind your head, right? I'm not, like, and you're like, well, you can be like, there is situations where, like, when you're getting apprehended for any particular reason, your 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 whole thing's like fight or flight, right? That's what you know, and so it's so complex. Right. Like I take it from like what it is being a black guy into this art world to the story to like me, you know, being stopped on foot yeah. and and spread my legs and, and like being emasculated because it's important for people to understand. That I like I can be at this level and there's still levels of where I want to go, but I can be at this level and it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm mm-hmm. still to you. I'm just a black man. Right? Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you go through it because we're dealing with people at the end of the day. And I'm dealing with those same people, you know, in different aspects and varying degrees in the art world. But fortunately, I've been able to, you know, garner the respect, you know, yeah, we'll write about what we're doing, you know, see a lot of the positives, right, that outweigh the negatives and experiences. And I love this art world. And for me, it's about bringing in, like, I believe it ain't about being unique, right? Like, that sucks. Like, I shouldn't be the only one in this room. Like, there needs to be more people like me in this room. And then how mm-hmm. can I influence that? Yeah. So that leads right into the next question. How do we get more people in the room, right? You mentioned earlier, 
you know, things are starting to change a little bit, but there's probably still a long way to go. So what are some of the things that we have to do to get more people in the room with you? Yeah. You know, like for us, there's a few different things that we're doing, you know, internships, you know, with HBCUs that, you know, we started and we're excited about, you know, a gentleman named Ahmed who's just joined us. But then also it's like my homies who are tech startup founders who I'm like, what did you mention? All right, yo, come over here. Like, Mm -hmm. let's, let's have a conversation. Go check this dealer or let me know who I can make a phone call for you to and make an intro. Right. Just pulling in all my tech homies who, you know, are CEOs in their own right and doing their own things, making sure that they can be a part of this conversation. There's so much here that we don't even know that people leverage the art as an asset to help their whole portfolio and also to pass down to their children so they can create generational wealth. There's so much richness here that I'm still learning, you know, day to day. Right. And so being able to pass that on, but also, you know, leveraging my stature to be like, hey, you know, let me try and dig in and figure out what the data looks like in the, in the space. And so I want to be able to present data and create, you know, a report so that the industry as a whole can understand, you know, what's going on. And hey, let's try and fix this. If we know the numbers, then that gives us a place from which we can act. And so, you know, several different laneways, you know, to try and make a difference and try and make the space more inclusive. Sean, I'm curious because so many of the kind of experiences touched on real quickly you know, from your experiences as a child with your family, some of those things kind of like in turn become what we kind of pass on to either if we have children or if we have new folks in the space, you know, and you're pseudo mentoring or just kind of developing folks. What are some of those lessons that you learned from your family or from other folks that you've worked with that you tend to pass on? What does that look like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, my mom, uh, Beryl Green is her name. She, like, integrity is a word that she always uses, you know, like, move with integrity. Mm. Like, and it's such a strong word. And it's meant more, you know, later, you know, in my life to me, mm. because you realize that people can be finicky. You know, there are variables that you cannot control. And so you realize how powerful it is when you deal with a person who sh- who's genuine and shows integrity. And so I kind of like push that on and, and make sure that that's like a part of, you know, my conversations, like build incredible relationships. Like, again, that comes, you know, through the lens of seeing my mom, you know, how she worked and how she operate and how powerful I've seen, like the relationships that I've built and how, you know, it's come to like support me and what I'm doing. You know, one of my advisors had once told me, you know, time is your most important asset, right? So be careful who you share that resource with and ensure that you're getting value for your time because it's your your most expensive asset, right? And so, you know, these are some of the things that I hold dear and that, you know, I kind of like push, push forward because, you know, if you move with good integrity, build relationships and leverage your time effectively, you know, you can do a lot of great things. What are some interesting areas in your industry that you're excited about sort of seeing grow? What are some spots that, you know, you think about and are kind of like newer that you can't wait to sort of see grow? Yeah, everything around, you know, e-commerce and seeing post-vaccine, post-pandemic come to fruition because people were panicking at the beginning of the Mm -hmm. pandemic. I mean, like, man, we can't go to an art fair internationally. (laughs) We can't go into a gallery. You can't go to a museum. You can't like 
like the spontaneous combustion of the activity of that, you know, IRL experience is so key mm. to the art world. <laughs> it's, it's to a fault almost. Right. And, you know, when you see that, you know, there's people opening up apps that you can buy or sell mm. or, you know, mm. privately on where data and transparency in terms of data is very key. Right? All these, yeah. you know, are, are market inducing, right? They're catalysts for a bigger, a larger market. And so I'm excited to see how people try and make private sales more of a thing, provide digital infrastructure for private sales, because that's the part that's taken off hugely because it's all about relationships mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the day. And so payments is another thing. You know, we're probably going to be leading some of that with being the first to process a bank wire in the space. So very excited about that. Yeah, because 80% of transactions are processed by a wire in the art world, right? So it's not like your typical Stripe credit card or things like that with these high ticket items. So, you know, these are some of the things that I'm excited about. And I think the, the collector just moves around the collector. I think, I mean, we know, not even think, like from the research, like collectors are grossly underserved. Has the collector kind of changed over time recently? Oh, yeah. I mean, first of all, they like, imagine this. Like, you have top tier dealers who literally just work on memory, which is, it's insane. It's it's crazy. And so our focus with what we built our tunnels is helping to democratize memory, right? Leverage the cloud and things like that. But your best dealers in the game who run it, like, will tell you, like, I was in, you know, Eric's crib and I saw that he had this and I wanted to sell it, you know, <laughs> et cetera, right? <laughs> It, like they know, like they just take it in as soon as as soon as they're in, and they start doing minority yeah. report with their mind and things like that. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah. it's very like I think as you see them going from yeah, I had to manage ten collectors to twenty five collectors to fifty collectors. Great, now it's hundreds mm. of collectors, right? Mm. And these collectors are busier than ever, you know. But pre-pandemic, they're flying all over private jets, this, you know, blah, 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 going globally, internationally. It's it's impossible for you to track them. And they're chasing the information and trying to get to it and be the first to collect and grow that particular artist's career and things like that. So, you know, the collectors have changed in the way how they exhibit different behaviors and and want to get on the action and want to go to these, you know, Yale MFA grad programs and, you know, Pratt and things like that. Like, they're diving in super early now, you know, and just seeing how they're behaving around black art is interesting, mm. right? Mm, black art is on an incredible too. rise. Mm. Yeah, what's that look like, Sean? Because I, I've seen a little bit from the sidelines, but yeah, it seems like a, a, a tremendous surge. Oh, what, what's that look like? Yeah, it, it's an incredible surge, right? And, and it's funny because, you know, <laughs> I caught myself in a moment where I was just like, I'm seeing a lot of me's. Right, like figurative, (laughs) you know, works it out there, and I'd be like, you know, is it too much? Because I remember being in this particular show. I think it was at the New Museum, and I was just like, wow. But at at the same time, I was just like, you go into every other like museum. You're just like, there's so many white faces, like like everywhere, figurative sculptures, this and that. I'm like, we haven't even scratched the surface, right? You know, Right. right. There needs to be so much more of this. Yeah, it's um, almost treated like a special exhibit to some extent, right? Yeah. Where and everything else is just there. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so, you know, like we just need to see more of it. Figurative, abstract, sculpture, mixed media, all of it. More. Well, let me on that point, Sean, 
How much has technology sort of leveled the playing field for the independent artists? And I'm specifically thinking about like Instagram, where if you are an artist, I mean, you have now access to shop your work all over the world, right? Whereas, you know, 10, 15 years ago, that wasn't the case. Yeah, it's helped tremendously. It's helped tremendously. And and so it's funny because our client, the gallery who represents these different artists, you know, it's all about that heat, right? Mm-hmm. And if you can create that heat and that fire, dealers now start to take notice and mm. they'll find you and go mm-hmm. search out, you know, seek you out. And so Instagram has allowed you to create, again, we all know it's the data, it's the numbers, you know, numbers and, and also do numbers and sell out of your studio and things like that. So when you come to a dealer or when a dealer approaches you, because you'll find it, it'll be like, yeah, you don't approach me. Well, you know, if you're hot, we'll find you. That's sort of energy. And when they come to you and you can be like, yo, my followers are here. Like, I've just done these numbers in the last, you know, quarter. Yeah. Like, yeah. like now you can command a different conversation, right? And so that's the power of social. It's the power of technology. And we're going to see a lot of stuff. I mean, as you guys probably know, NFTs are you know, yeah. the talk of the moment yeah. and things like that that's happening. Again, it's, it's, it's another cultural unlock. It's another unlock for the power of commerce in the space. And so we're about to see a lot that's going to happen there, you know, creating this sort of independence for these artists. And we'll see how the dealers find their way in, in that ecosystem. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Switching up topics here a little bit. I want to go back to uh, life as a founder and, and CEO. And obviously, you're thinking about this stuff all day long. You live it, you eat it, you breathe it all day long. With that said, what does work-life balance look like for Sean? Is there such a thing? <laughs> That's a, that's a very interesting cue. Um, <laughs> difficult to come across. <laughs> that, that, the balance part of the work-life balance. But, you know, for me, it's like, you know, playing around, you know, with my daughters. Like when you're on all fours or you, you're doing tea time where you got Elmo puppet on your hand, <laughs> you know, and you're doing, you know, pre-K drop-offs with another. Like that for me, it's a moment to like, you know, disconnect and and just be like just be that mm-hmm. <laughs> you know just just be doing that you know facetime with my son and he's just outside of toronto and so you know like these are the moments you just take it in you know you kick back asking you know you know my son playing ball you know how's his ankle that he just kind of you know messed up trying to dunk on some old guys <laughs> you know? like for me that's like it's, it's bounce but you know meditate like morning meditations or like my long showers like i take mm. you know my showers probably are the reason why my water bill looks the way how it looks like. But, you know, that's where I can like meditate. And it's my only time of like solace where like it's completely uninterrupted unless my daughter's coming and bang the door down and like <laughs> hanging on the shower. But other than that, like it's uninterrupted and I get to like, you know, get my day planned or just end my day, you know, in a bit of a Zen moment that allows me to be able to attack it, you know, the next day or that particular day. Sean, take us into your world of how you stay informed and what you read and watch and see to sort yeah. of know what's hot and what's out there or just things that you should be focusing your mind on. Take us into that world. Yeah, man, it's a lot. I'm kind of like, you know, YouTube, Twitter, <laughs> um, the information, the top like web, web search, like, you know, in my feed when I tap on my Google, you know, like, 
culture and art and tech, like you need to just know everything because people apex in the art world, no matter where they are. Like your biggest form of stunting is like, yeah, yo, I just bought this piece of art right here, you know, and it's a one of one. And so when you're in these different rooms, like you're learning a heck ton from people in different industries Mm -hmm. as well. And so the wealth of knowledge that you're picking up as you're engaging, you know, my wife is always looking at a whole bunch of them. Hey, yo, did you see this? You know, and so there's all these different elements where I'm like gleaning information and then turning that information and leveraging it to build a relationship stronger, do something uh, unique with like either a post that I need to put out. And, you know, my assistant's amazing on my social and help me make sure that, you know, I'm out there. But, you know, it's like I'm gathering information from a whole bunch of different resources that are out there. Did you have anybody that like, Besides your family, we talked a lot about the early inspirations, but a little bit later in your life and closer to work, did you have anybody that sort of helped work with you to sort of develop some of that? Or is a lot of that more of a, a natural sort of set of skills that you tap into? Yeah, it feels more innate. It feels more natural. Like my insatiable curiosity, like wanting to know more and like, you know, how something is done and yeah. wanting to dive deeper and dig in that. That's pretty much, you know, what it's been. I have great advisors, great mentors like around me who, you know, crushing it in different arenas that I pull into the biz and that help just inform, you know, how I execute. But yeah, yeah, it's it's me dialing in. (laughs) Sean, uh, for the audience that's listening right now, if there's someone out there that wants to get into the art world as a buyer, where should they start? Yeah, good cue. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I tell people, you know, start by just looking. Mm-hmm. Just figure out, you know, where the art openings. Like one thing that people should know is like galleries are free to go to. Now, yes, you have to, you know, there's this by appointment, you know, COVID, but that's going to be done soon. You'll just be able to, to frequent. Go to as many gallery shows as possible. Get on as many lists as possible, right? Because you can just sign up for their list and receive their emails and train your eye. It's like, mm-hmm. like when I think about art that I was looking at almost a decade ago and like, you know, over the course of, you know, five, six, seven years, I was just like, wow, we're like, what like my eye has matured so much, right? In the in the last, you know, two, three, four years, right? And you'll you'll feel that muscle start to continue to strengthen over time. And that's when you'll get closer to being like, okay, I think I'm ready to acquire. And then you start asking different questions and wondering, you know, more about the history of certain artists and artwork and things like that. And be in conversation, understand who are the players in this space, right? Like who are the major collectors who are collecting? What are they collecting? Why are they collecting that stuff, right? And take photos as if you wanted, as if you were going to acquire this particular Mm -hmm. one, right? And then look at that over the course of a 12-month period. And then look at where those artists are post-purchase, right? And then once you can see, you know, have your like, well, if if this was my, you know, acquisition portfolio, this is what this would look like. And do it like you would with like fake chips, but you treat them like real chips on a poker table, even Mm. though you can never really treat fake chips like the real chips. (laughs) (laughs) You know, get as much to that feeling as possible and then put your skin in the game. But buy the love, don't buy to reap the rewards. That's always super key. 
Okay. Love that advice. Love that advice. All right. Fun question. I love asking every guest we have on the podcast. Uh Give us the top three apps that you use on your phone on a regular basis, but you can't name email, calendar, or text messaging. No email, no calendar. And no text. No text messaging. Okay. Uh Um, Evernote. All right. You got to take those notes for the art world, right? (laughs) Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You said no email, right? No email. Slack. (laughs) All right. Okay. Slack count? Can I say Slack? We'll we'll let that one slide. (laughs) (laughs) And then, like, I'm... uh, My Whoop band. I don't know if you know, like, Whoop. Like, that's an app that I'm trying to, like, figure out, like, sleep patterns, my whole like, you know, heart rate stuff. Yeah. And, you yeah. know. All right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think that's it. That's it. I'm note, like, note taking, communication and health. All good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> awesome. My bubble would be LinkedIn if I get a bubble. Well, Sean, thanks for spending some time with us and our listeners love to stay in touch and follow our guests. What are some ways that they can follow you and also stay in touch? Yeah, for sure. Um, Sean underscore Arternal. That's S-E-A-N underscore A-R-T-E-R-N-A-L. Sean underscore Arternal is how they can find me. Follow me, DM me, catch up with me pretty much on all mediums, I think. Twitter, Instagram, what else? LinkedIn. Yeah. You can find me on either of those platforms. Excellent. Well, everyone, thanks again for listening. And thanks for joining us, Sean. You can find more episodes where you find all of your audio and video. Just search Minority Report Podcast and look for the logo. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks a lot. Really appreciate it, John.